0: This is Ryan Bell, and I never listen to I Doubt It with Dolomore. The following broadcast may contain free thinking and open minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, and adult subject matter. Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously. Get ready to move the conversation forward. This ain't your granddad's news and comment show. This is I Doubt It with Dolomore. Alright,
1: thanks for joining us, episode 100 of I Doubt It with Dallimore on this February 22nd, 2015. I am your host, Jesse Dallimore, and sitting across from me as judgmentally as ever is the lovely, yet very judgmental, Brittany Page.
2: <laughs> yes, here I am. Wow. Mm -hmm. now
1: everybody's judging you (laughs) yeah that's it that's all you got to say well i'm
2: just really overwhelmed by the hundred episodes oh are you so i i feel like i don't know what to say
1: well perfect finally 100 episodes deep you find the period and the place in your life where you don't have anything to say Mm -hmm. anything to add
2: Mm -hmm. any
1: judgment to render upon me well not yet your humble host i
2: mean we're just starting the show right so it is to come
1: it is to come. Mm-hmm. It shall come to pass. Yes. So let's get started with a listener voicemail. Without further ado.
0: Hey, guys. Uh, Brett, number one. So I was just listening to your little segment on the Pew Research. Pew, pew. And that's why I'm calling. Um, I want to weigh in on that. That should absolutely be the sound drop that you use. Every single time I hear the words Pew Research, when I'm listening to the news or the radio, I immediately go, pew, pew, because it's hilarious. So that's my two cents, and I hope that's what becomes the drop.
1: I'm hoping that becomes the drop, too. The problem lies in the fact that I am a talentless troll, and I don't have the ability to create an awesome, creative ear pleasure giving (laughs) drop
2: right i can't do that
1: so i'm i'm appealing to the audience and thank you brett number one for calling in and supporting the show by calling 657-464-7609 however my my appeal to the audience is to try to get someone to donate their skill and their creativity to make us a drop you know 10 or 12 seconds to transition for that segment of the show where we talk about pew, 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 pew research.
2: Mm -hmm. And make it real action-packed.
1: Right. I love action. Yeah, me too. In the spirit of communicating with the audience, um, after the terrorist attack in Denmark, I put a call out to our, our European listeners, especially those who live in Denmark, and I asked them to kind of communicate with us What was the feeling on the ground and in country related to what transpired? And um, loyal listener of the show, Alexander, emailed us immediately and he had this to say.
2: Hello, Jesse and Brittany. I heard your last podcast and I heard you wanted some Danish listeners to tell a little bit about the situation. I will first of all say that the shooting has been declared a terrorist attack by the Danish police. So the guy who killed both the film director at the debate meeting and the Jewish security guard is a terrorist. He is a 22-year-old Palestinian, and he is not a member of any Islamic organization or any other group, but can be described as a lone wolf. The 37-year-old Jewish guy who was killed by the police was a security guard outside of the bat mitzvah party, and because of him, the rest of the Jews in the synagogue were not killed.
1: And thankful for him.
2: The reaction to the shooting has been overwhelming for our small country and it is wonderful to hear and see the support. The only problematic reactions were made by the far right conservative wing of the Danish political spectrum who said that it was the left wing who was to blame for the shooting because of their immigration policies.
1: It's it's nice to see and I don't think the letter is over the message is over yet but it's nice to see and this is kind of tongue in cheek but that The problems that exist within United States politics, they're not they're not exclusive to the United States, because when something goes wrong, Democrats want to blame Republicans and vice versa. The Republicans want to blame the Democrats for that that goes on, whatever bad that happens. And this clearly isn't the fault of the left in in, in Danish politics, and it's not the fault of the right members in Danish politics. It's the fault of this maniac who went on a shooting, bloodletting, murderous spree. It has nothing to do with the system inside of, of Denmark. So I'm sorry. Go ahead.
2: He continues. Our social democratic prime minister Schmidt has handled the situation in a very proper and good way. And many support her reaction to the tragedy. I'm half Jewish myself. So I'm very touched by the attack on the Jewish community in Denmark.
1: And we feel for you. Listen, um, it doesn't take, it doesn't take uh, having lived in a country that has had a horrific event like 9-11. It doesn't take that to have empathy for you. Um, it's just we all suffer within the human condition. And that is, that is why we feel for you. It's, you. You may have only lost two people. But when a terrorist attack like this happens in any country at any scale whether it be 3,000 people uh, like on 9-11 or like 12 or 15 in France in, during the, the Charlie Hebdo d- and the days that followed, it doesn't matter the scale. Some sense of innocence is lost in a country after an attack like this. Even in Canada where only one person was killed when that maniac stormed the parliament, um, there's a certain innocence that's lost and that's a, it's a terrible thing. And we, uh, here on the show, that's all I can speak for. We definitely feel for you. And like I said last time, uh, hang in there, you know, things will get better and hopefully some policies will develop relative to being a little bit more proactive of identifying these kind of individuals and dealing with them before they fly off the handle. So, In happier news, though, huh? I don't want to leave it on on such a bummer down note, although that wasn't such a bummer down note, I'm just, we feel for you, things are going to get awesome, things are going to be better. As a world, we're going to be able to contain these type of individuals. However, on to happier and more celebratory times. Yeah, 100 episodes. It's almost an unbelievable thing when looking back when we first started this project, if you will.
2: Yeah, I love the I love the music choice, "Cool in the Gang." Yeah, and that's perfect for me.
1: Brittany is a disco, late mid to late seventies file. She digs that era.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: Speaking of innocence, there's kind of an innocence to that. It's not about um, jocking hoes and banging bitches. It's, you know, good times and love. and.
2: I mean, I think they just did it in a more secretive manner. Like, you know, Ring My Bell by Anita Ward. She's not actually talking about a bell.
1: Well, she's also not calling women bitches and hoes.
2: Yeah, but she is talking about drugs. her, you know. Yeah,
1: with sex, it's making love with another human being. What What is more, I'm not saying innocence as in, the wheels on the bus go round and round i mean it wasn't about objectifying it was about getting together with someone you love and having a good time
2: and ringing their bell
1: (laughs) (laughs) or what was the peaches and herb song there was some song you used to tell me about that
2: no that's that is a rap song that's a rap song that's current yeah it it called peaches and cream
1: oh peaches and cream yeah not current
2: well, it's from the '90s. It's from the '90s and thousands. What's that? The song I'm talking about, the Peaches and Cream how's, song.
1: How's it go? Sing me a few bars. I'm
2: not going to do that. <laughs> it's like by by. I don't I don't remember who it's but one twelve or something. I think is what they were huh. called. Um, and obviously the song is not about delicious peaches and cream. It's <laughs> about is that other from the '90s, really. Yeah, here I'll I'll Google it. No, no,
1: I'm... that's okay. We'll move on, but. Anyway, you are you you are into the 70s. Anyway, what the hell are we doing right now?
2: 2001. Okay,
1: we're going to get we're getting to the topic at hand. 100 episodes. Mm-hmm. How in the hell did we get to 100 episodes <laughs> when we get sidetracked that easily? Goddamn. So, here we are, a 100 episodes in, and I I I struggled for what we were going to do for a for a 100th episode celebration, uh, a a retrospective. And I decided rather than struggle with pulling clips from earlier shows, the best way to go about this would be to, well, let's put it this way. for, for At the end of every episode, if you don't listen to the whole show, because at the end of the episode is kind of when I talk about Amazon, and I think a lot of people just click, they turn it off right there. Because, right, because oh. they don't
2: want to hear us talk about how you can support the show. Well,
1: not not only that, but it's, there's nothing more here. There's no more information. Right. Well, at the end of that, when I sign off and I say, for Brittany Page, I am Jesse Dollimore and this has been I Doubt It. Right after I say I Doubt It, I play a little snippet from something that was notable or funny from the hour or hour and 10 or hour and 20 long episode. And here I present to you every Final drop that has been played over the course of the last one hundred episodes. We started doing it about right around episode ten. I don't know exactly the episode, but here it is in its entirety for your pleasure, and also maybe to remind you of previous episodes.
0: I've read too many books. The, the, the tables have turned. Douche chill. God doesn't send tornadoes. We need systematic change in the Muslim world. A one-way wall.
2: I wouldn't vaccinate at all. Not at all. Ever. Not for my child. No way. Peeps rock. Oh, son of a
0: bitch!
3: Son of a bitch! Son of a bitch! Gun. <laughs> you thought I was going to say a son
0: of
2: a bitch, didn't
4: you? <laughs> I want to tell you one more thing I know about the Negro. Nobody who believes in God can be a racist. No one believing in Jesus commits mass murder.
2: Trying to read. I'm trying to read. Trying to read. I'm trying to read.
0: Girl. Oh, the girl. I'm trying to have sex with her. He's got AIDS. It's all the media. And when he had those AIDS. Billing beautiful bouquet of... White trash, redneck puberty.
2: And anytime something sugary is involved, you bet your ass I'm going to be getting that. And then I walked back to class and smugly ate it in front of everybody. Like, hey, take this, bitches.
1: Goddamn, I should get my shit together. How about that?
2: That would be great if could do that. Fancy a spot
1: of tea? Parents should just say, fuck you, you're eating the crust. I wish there was an EpiPen for stupidity, because I would stab him right in the fucking eye with it. Oh.
4: We are
2: America. We do not fucking torture. I'm scared I'm going to die.
4: I'm, I'm not a psychiatrist. I'm not a doctor.
1: You just thought I have a dirty butthole. Okay. I for sure
0: think you have a dirty butthole. It is
2: hotter than a fucking nutsack
0: in here.
1: I can drink a quart of warm maker's mark out of a dead hobo's boot that I found in the dumpster.
2: Whether your donut is gluten-free or not, it's still a donut.
0: People might look at you and say, well, look at you, you know, Miss Newport Beach. And
2: So, let's, let's go with this fart study, okay?
1: See, and that's, listen, Democrats.
2: What the fuck?
4: Dinosaurs are always a little bit of man. Say what? Dinosaurs are always a little bit of man. Bring liberty, joy, healing, wholeness.
0: And a fresh way of thinking for people's lives.
1: Jesse Ventura, who I tweeted yesterday and called him a cunt.
0: Time is going by really, 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 really slow. Holy shit! Really? Oh my god! You fucking old lady. <laughs>
1: Penetrate? Fucking goddamn! I mean, fuck fucking bad people. Goddamn! Fucking brain. Keep a fucking eye on this guy. Bullshit. Fuck that guy. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'd like to, to look to, over at Iraq right now to, and to let me know
4: if Christianity's to, not at our tap. We're not in Iraq. Well. We're, here, we're here. You know, and, and Fire the, spreads the, quickly, the sir. Is-
2: Hermione Granger. Ronald Weasley. Here, Ronald. Take care of this. <laughs> ah! Fuck you
4: now? Because. <laughs> guys have- is where they will reside. Hell is where they will
0: reside. Thank you for shoving a hot fire poker of uh, guilt straight at my asshole.
1: The views and opinions expressed by Jesse Dalimore are solely those of Jesse Dalimore and do not reflect the views and opinions of Britney Page, who is a far superior person and much more measured and reasonable in her views and analysis. This mighty change of heart is exactly what the gospel of Jesus Christ is designed to bring about.
0: You can't get bacon. I wasn't expecting to see what I seen on a Sunday, early Sunday morning. And all of a sudden he's seen the car.
2: When I need some snacks, I'm going to get some snacks. And it's our job to talk about it, to get everyone pumped about getting rid of these pricks. More technical, difficulties. You know, I like it here. It doesn't mean because I go here. I'm a genius.
3: They can't catch a sexually transmitted disease.
1: I'm actually quite a prominent Muslim thinker in the United States. You are good and scholarly and smart.
4: You have 10 degrees. We can never accept public homosexuality.
3: With so many morons. They think they're a master race, right? They're six inches shorter than South Koreans, but they think they're a master race.
2: Don't let anybody tell you that it's
0: corporations and businesses that create jobs.
1: Yeah, yeah. It had a nice big white bone. If I was the devil, this is what I would do. It...
2: It could be a raccoon covered in Parmesan cheese, for all I know.
1: I got a boner just now for Ben Carlson. I think he's smoothed down there like a Ken doll. Well, yeah, but that, you're, you're good at talking about nothing, Jesse. <laughs> oh, wow.
2: That is so true.
1: Thanksgiving will be conspicuously rape-free.
0: <laughs>
2: His injuries were the equivalent of how I look when I get embarrassed.
0: Bill Cosby you got a lot of nerve getting on the phone with me after what you did to my aunt
2: Paulette Yeah excuse me sir what is in that paper bag Yeah I caught her mid-betrayal
1: I have no idea where an Applebee's is Yeah I'm not gonna make a, a butthole cake Next year when he opens his flap trap And um
4: obviously there's a smell
1: of marijuana in the air as well
2: because I already don't like too much customer service.
3: Without freedom of speech, uh, we are dead. We, we, can't, we can't live in a country uh, without uh,
1: freedom of speech. Olive Garden, we support your weight loss plan through
2: diarrhea.
0: I'm not concerned about the very poor.
2: It's a bright light right on the badge that's completely exposed. I had my eyes rolled for about one minute straight. You exercised your right to, you know, kind of publicly chastise the establishment.
1: So even Glenn Beck thinks that Mitt Romney is a little shitty shit stain in a piece of underwear, in a pair of underwear.
0: This is Ryan Bell, and I never listened to I Doubt It with Dollimore. Come to think of it, does anyone listen to I data with Dolomar?
1: I think the quote was, you know Brian Williams is a real cool cat, right? <laughs> I
0: think that was it, yeah. <laughs> My name is Rhett and I give a damn.
1: But maybe he's doing uh, five to ten for for uh, insertion.
0: That is not
3: true. That is a lot of bullshit. <laughs>
1: seriously it couldn't have ended with a better clip mm-hmm. i know that was a little long but it really gives me a lot of joy listening back I, what are some of your reflections i mean i i mean it was you and me who who really what well, we started this this thing mm-hmm. what do you have any any thoughts about having gone from a one to 100 and, and what it took leading up to before even the number one episode
2: Well, I think it is a lot like when you look back on your life and you just see how much you've changed as the years have gone by. yeah, for sure. And it's kind of the same with the show. I mean, since the first episode, I mean, even probably the first like 30 episodes, I guess, we really, it took a while to find kind of what we were really doing and what we wanted to do. And even with me, kind of the things that I wanted to talk about and the things that I wanted to say and so it's just been a really good evolution, I think, of sure. figuring it out and, and getting to a place where when we finish a show, we know when it's been really good. We know when it's funny and that happens almost every time we do a show. So when we first started, it was kind of like hard yeah to really do didn't,
1: that. We really didn't know what, I mean, obviously we didn't know what the hell we were doing because... We'd never done anything like this before.
2: But through, you know, feedback and gaining listeners, you know, we started just putting this out there, not knowing whether or not we'd get listeners. And then we have people writing us from Ireland, Denmark,
1: Austra- Brazil. Aust- I mean, yeah, yeah.
2: And it's been really an amazing thing.
1: Well, you know, it's interesting, um, especially along that the line of, of how much we've grown. I mean, the, the first the first day after having released one episode we had six subscribers and i can most assuredly tell you those subscribers were people in our lives people we we physically actually know and it it quickly grew very i mean more quickly than i ever could have imagined to thousands of people all over the world and i am eternally grateful for that and not not because there's really a lot of, of monetary gain with this, because any money we make, well, this is a losing money proposition at this point. I mean, we we occasionally talk about the Patreon link, and if you have extra money and you'd like to dedicate it to the show, that would be great. And talk about the Amazon thing, but those any money we make from that at this point is really just defraying costs, and it makes this less expensive for us because the costs involved, and I'm not getting into begging for money or anything like that. That's not what I'm doing. I'm just saying that this wasn't about a money thing. This was about a project, and it started off just I had, I'd never heard my, my political opinion and my viewpoint out there, because when you, when you hang figuratively, when you hang out in atheist circles, you're typically around very, very liberal people. And I don't consider myself that, as evidenced what? by the show. Oh,
2: please. <laughs> if we've learned anything in 100 episodes, it's that you're a liberal.
1: Dirty, dirty liberal. So, so the thing is, is this entire project came about because my viewpoint, I didn't feel, was out there. And I wanted it out there. And it's really evolved into something completely different. It's, it has become a conversation this show its not just a show that you listen. I really feel like this is a conversation and we are making the world and this is going to sound cheesy and it's going to sound contrived, but I really believe we are making the world a better place through being able to talk about difficult subjects, being able to talk about things that people don't like to talk about the subjects that in a bar are the off that are the taboo topics. We don't no no religion, no politics. Well, there's no other topics that are worth talking about other than those. I mean, those are two of the biggest, and I want to talk about them. I really, truly want to move the conversation forward. It's not just a buzzword. It is really, it's a heartfelt mantra, and I think with your help, audience, we are accomplishing that episode after episode we are having a conversation. And whether you're having the conversation with us or whether you're bringing that conversation into your daily lives and talking to the people with whom you interact at work or the people with whom you interact at home or just your general your family, we are making a difference. You and 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 Brittany and I. It's it's a good thing.
2: Well, and I I mean I think it's kind of selfish for me as well though because I think this motivates me to go out and read the news, read the latest research things that I want to talk about. I would normally do those things, but, you know, if I got tired and lazy, maybe I wouldn't for the day. I try to spend, you know, an hour or two hours a day reading the news, reading the latest research articles, looking at all my favorite people on Twitter seeing what articles they've shared and this motivates me to keep active with what's the current information that's being put out there.
1: What I love about that, and this this is a selfish thing, but I love when I'm out in public and striking up a conversation with someone or they've struck up a conversation with me and they ask me a question about the goings-on and current events of the day and it just so happens to be something we've talked about on the show and they say well have you heard of huh, ba, da, ba, da I'm like oh yeah well let me uh yeah actually I have heard of that let me blah and I just dump on them way more information on the topic than they 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 needed or thought anybody would know I love that aspect and it's kind of a derivative of a benefit you know a, a, an unmeasured benefit of the show but you know we don't just pick the topics, and then talk about them. There are many, many topics that are on left on the cutting room floor that we they don't even make the show, but we research them and then decide, eh, we don't really want to talk about that. So listen, uh, we're going to move on with the show, but we, I know I say at the end of every show, we really do love you. We appreciate every single one of you for listening and participating and for helping us move the conversation forward. It's, it's a uh, it's a magical thing and a wonderful thing to be in the position that Brittany and I are in to bring this kind of content and this kind of call to action to as many thousands of people as we do. Um, I'm, I'm humbled. I really am. I know I make jokes about being your humble your humble host and all that bullshit, but I really am. I'm humbled. It is a wonderful thing, and we, we truly appreciate every single one of you. Democracy 2016, facing down pessimistic politics with realistic optimism. So Ohio governor and former Budget Committee chairman of the House of Representatives, John Kasich, is dipping his toe, as it were, into the frigid waters of the Republican race for president of the United States. He was recently on um, CNN with Gloria Borger, And they had a long talk and it was a pretty good interview and it really it made me face some old opinions that I had of this man Um, I wasn't always a fan of John Kasich and I guess maybe as I've grown and developed into who I am as a as a a free-thinking regular individual (laughs) Um, I think I like this guy. I'm not sure. It's very early. He hasn't even declared. He hasn't formed an exploratory committee to run for president. But I really think I like this guy. And mainly because my new pet issue, after having dealt with gay marriage, single-handedly, after having brought down the the barriers to gay marriage in this country, obviously that's a little tongue-in-cheek, but... Uh, after having that issue that i think is well on its way out i mean still there are there are issues on a on a on a person to person basis that need to be dealt with but that'll come over time the acceptance of of gay marriage and 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 gays in general i think that's the the heavy lifting is done i think my new issue is going to be poverty poor uh the working poor the mentally ill the marginalized in our society that need to be supported by the government in some way.
2: Uh oh. Well, someone sounding like a liberal. No, but it's
1: not. It's it's, and you'll see. You'll see after I play some of these clips that it's not conservatism. Is helping someone to get on their feet so they can help themselves. It really is that. It's it's like that. The Facebook note that I just wrote, talking about this Christmas when we were having that conversation with those people and they were talking about blacks in this very pejorative manner about the baggy pants and the welfare moms and this entitlement attitude that they have. And we've also talked about it previously in our first maybe 25 episodes. We talked about if you if you help these people, these welfare moms, and whatever other term you want to use for them, you help them get into school and get jobs, it will stop the cycle of poverty. Their children will then have an expectation to go to school and to do well for themselves and you won't have a generational issue of paying for for welfare anymore you'll have someone who is gainfully employed contributing to the prosperity of our country through taxation and that is what we need so anyway i have several clips here of john Kasich, and he is striking a note with me on the very issues that i think i'm going to adopt over the course of this next presidential election
4: I want to give you a word about uh, about poverty here. It's so hard to figure out how do you separate those who are truly needy from those who kind of got comfortable being in poverty. Now, some people will say nobody's comfortable with that, but if you talk to people who are experts in this area, some will tell you that it is a challenge. How do you, because I got to tell you, nobody gets a lot of money on these programs. Nobody does. I mean, say you get a family of four and they get, you know, uh, they get about 115 or 120 a week to take care of their groceries, their utilities, their, their clothing and all that. How do we get, how do, first of all, let's help those that are really hungry to get out and improve their lives and that involves training, but how do you get this system to work where people don't become permanently stuck because we haven't figured out a way to design a system that is incentivized, that gets people to work. Now, I have to tell you, the lady who's working on the midnight or, you know, the the shift at, uh, at a fast food restaurant who's barely scraping by, she doesn't want her money to be given to somebody who doesn't want to work. She's all forgiven her money to somebody who can't work. So the next stage is how do we how do we think about this poverty? You know, in the 1940s, 40 percent of Americans lived in poverty. In the 1960s, it's 20 percent. I got an email from somebody today who said, you know, this this so this poverty problem is just seems insolvable. So we're going to see what we can do to think differently. Try to design a pro. I have no great answers at this point, but you know. <clears throat> You have to have compassion, but you also have, have to have an element of discipline in the way we run these programs. And if we can begin to move forward on that, we can begin to beat down poverty, give people hope, help their children. That's what we're all about. Governor, so thank you all uh, very much. Thank you,
2: Governor. So I do like a lot of that. There was yeah. one thing that I heard that well, I kind of get it, but where he said that um, people are comfortable living in poverty where when people get comfortable living in poverty
1: i think there there is not a large amount but there is a percentage of people who do
2: i okay i i would agree that that's probably true i would say that in most situations it's because there are people who don't know any better
1: right and i think he would agree i do think he would agree
2: I don't think it's people that are intention. For the most part, of course, there are people that are using the system and they're being malicious about it. But I think that for the most part, the people that he's talking about there are people who don't know any better and they're coming from a cycle of poverty yes. and they just don't know an alternative lifestyle for sure. And by the same token, they've never been given the resources to get out or to know that anything could be different for well, them.
1: Also, I want to make clear that what we're talking about and what what John Kasich here is talking about is not those who. Can- cannot work he's not talking about the handicapped or the the mentally disabled you know severely retarded he's talking about people who can work but are there are barriers to that whether it be education or whether it be access he's 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 being i think very genuine in his approach to this
4: you know because people are poor doesn't mean they don't work hard. Because people are poor doesn't mean that it sometimes means they couldn't pull themselves up by their bootstraps at some point in time. Now when you die and get to the, get to the, uh, the meeting with St. Peter, he's probably not going to ask you much about what you did about keeping government small, but he's going to ask you what you did for the poor.
1: And that right there is the sum and substance of what I wrote on Facebook this last week, or this two days ago. I just posted that yesterday. Um, it is it, it is it It sums it up very well that, well, one, I use that term pulling yourself up by your bootstraps, and I, I fucking hate I hate that turn of phrase.
2: that That phrase has always gotten under my skin. I mean, ever since I was a teenager. Well,
1: it bothers me because largely the Republican Party, and I mean largely, the vast, vast majority of members of the Republican Party are right wing Christians. They are Christians. And if you want to read this Facebook note, I, I, I did share it to the Facebook our our podcast Facebook page. Um you could also find me on on Facebook and find it in my notes. But I would like to know what people's thoughts are on this because Christianity, as John Kasich was just talking about, when you get to heaven, obviously, obviously, I, I don't buy into heaven. I don't believe there is a Saint Peter. Um,
2: but using their logic and yeah, that framework,
1: using that's exactly right. Using their storyline, when you do get to heaven, you think they're going to be asking you about these, what kind of 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 tax plan you had and how how small your deficits were in government and they will be asking you how did you treat those least among you how did they how did you treat the poor how did you treat the hungry how did you treat the disenfranchised those questions will be asked of you and the republican party will be uh on on the hot seat you know when they get to their imaginary heaven because their belief system is centered around a guy who was a revolutionary, a, a liberal who wanted to give, listen, to follow Christ, he said, first I want you to do this. Sell everything you own, give it to the poor, then follow me.
2: No, he said to pick yourself up by your bootstraps.
1: Exactly, right? It's so ridiculous. So this is why John Kasich resonates with me.
2: So, I really like what he's saying, too, because it is go it's illustrating what science shows about the effects of abuse, neglect, poverty, being raised with a parent who's mentally ill or Absolutely. has a substance abuse issue sure and there was a recent TED talk done by Nadine Burke Harris on how childhood trauma affects health across a lifetime, and I think that it is one of the most important TED talks that I have ever seen because. It is important for people to understand that abuse, neglect, having parents that struggle with mental health and substance abuse issues do more than just put a kid at a disadvantage from the, the ways that you can see. It actually changes their physiology, makes them more predisposed to health problems. It affects their brain development, and it has a larger impact than just, hey, you need to get over that. Pick yourself up by your bootstraps. It's not that easy and we need to be moving the conversation in terms of what kind of interventions can we start doing to get to these kids that are coming from these environments and the answer the intervention that we we are using right now pick yourself up by your bootstraps not working well it's not helpful.
1: It's stupid. It resonates with people who are fundamentally selfish because that's oh, my money. That's my money. It's us. It's me. It's me. It's my group. My group. I'm not poor. I don't have to worry about the poor. You're spending my money in a way that's not beneficial. It's short-sighted, and he'll get to this. He talks about this, but the thing is, you're if you, if you have a, a total welfare budget, a total public uh, expenditure budget relative to social programs— and if you have an opportunity to get a woman off who's going to have kids, get her off of the system to where she'll get a job and then her kids will no longer be on welfare. So you all you got to do is, let's say, pay for her college and maybe daycare or something. So you spend $100,000 on this woman, but then none of her kids are on welfare and none of their kids are on welfare and none of their kids are on... You've stopped it. So your your overall savings in the in the medium to long term is so great. If you can get her kids not to end up in prison and then you don't have to pay the $100,000 or $150,000 a year for that one inmate to be in prison, it's a cost-saving measure, but you have to be forward-looking about it. So he also appeared, and this was last year before his gubernatorial election in the state of Ohio, and we'll get to why that's important. Uh, we'll get to it right now. Ohio, he's the governor of Ohio. You don't win the presidential election of the United States without the state of Ohio. You don't. It just doesn't happen anymore. If you lose Ohio, the last many, many presidents have lost the election. Or the last many, many uh, candidates have lost the election. So he was recently on Fox News with... Laura ingram uh she's 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 the worst next to um who's the Ichabod crane the blonde um Coulter and Coulter um besides ann Coulter, she's the worst, and she was sitting in for Bill O'Reilly and had making fun of of John Kasich because Obama gave him a little praise. And this was a little bit of their back and forth, or or at least most of the answers that John Kasich gave to some of her questions.
4: Well, Laura, here's the thing. I had a chance to bring home to Ohio, like a number of other governors have, including Jan Brewer, uh, a chance to bring Ohio money back to Ohio to do some things that, uh, frankly, needed to be done. And that's to treat... Uh, the mentally ill to get them across the bridge so they can get employment the same for the drug addicted and you know drug addiction is in every demographic every income every community to treat those people rehab them and get them to work and also to make sure that the working poor have a system that makes sense instead of showing up and getting all their health care in emergency rooms now that being said uh, I do not have never been a supporter of Obamacare. And the reason, uh, I, and to give you an example, we refused to run a state exchange because we didn't have the authority to make decisions. On our Medicaid program, it grows by less than 3%, and it's been filled with innovation, right, and but Governor, it's because they, we run it. That's what I like. It's we're going
1: to get these people up on their feet and back to work so they can be contributive to the overall collective. It's not about oh, yeah, well, we're going to create this hammock for this group of people to just languish in for the rest of their lives, and we're going to take care of them, and we're going to pay their bills. It's we want to help them to get up on their feet to take care of themselves and be contributors.
2: And I don't know why anyone would be against that.
1: Not at all. I mean, listen, it is tough. Look, in a perfect world, it would be great if we could just take care of everybody, but there's only so much money to go around, and we need to spend it wisely. That's a fact, and I know a lot of bleeding heart liberals they don't want they don't want to hear that oh no it's so bad we need to take care of everybody (laughs) that's not possible we need to spend the the and allocate our resources intelligently effectively the most effectively that we can
4: anyway their their interview went on conservatism means that you help people so they can help themselves and that they can enter into the economic uh, strength of our country now you have to separate that from the fact that the government was designing a program to take over our whole health care system right. in the back rooms on capitol hill i don't support that but there's a big distinction between medicaid and our ability to bring our money back to fix our problems as right. opposed to a government takeover of the health care system so it's, i think it's, it's not fair to draw a distinction between yeah. Between the two.
3: Well, they, by 2023 the estimates are that the Medicaid money will triple. It's going to cost three times as much, about I guess it's 710 billion dollars for the uh, nationwide expansion. That is a lot of money though governor, right? And again I just cite all your past work on, on uh, fiscal matters and you're such a fiscal conservative. Yeah. I understand what you're saying and everyone well, wants right. compassion for the yeah. poor. I get that, but well, we it's, also it's, it's have a real even, budget problem. Yeah.
4: Yeah, it's not even – first of all, when I was chairman of the budget committee, when I left Washington, we had surpluses and a balanced budget. So yeah. I know about how to run the budget, Laura. I was the one that was uh, spent 10 years of my life to get us there. But, again, this is about our money. Washington doesn't have any money. I want our money back. And I like
1: that. I like that he says that because the government doesn't have money. The government is we the people. The preamble of the constitution starts with those words we the people of the United States in order to form a more perfect union. It isn't the government, we the government of the United States. It's the people, we us. It's our money. The government's money is our money and it needs to be spent responsibly. Look, I'm uh, we'll see what comes to this and I think he probably will run. Um we'll see though because you know the Republican party is so radical and so right right now so far right that uh, they might not accept him but the 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 one thing that runs in his favor is the fact that he is the go- the overwhelmingly popular governor of ohio he won with uh, 64% of the vote that's a big deal
2: right there's
1: an odd very strange tone of censorship and calling not calling things what they are and calling things what they are not what they you know what i mean it's just a very weird thing like for instance obama this week is refusing to call isil islamic terrorists or islamic extremists instead there's this weird tendency to use the word violent extremist which i think is weird because so odd violent extremist of what just extreme violence, that's it, that's what they're guilty of, or are they distorting the doctrine of Islam in an extreme way? That would mean that they're Islamic extremists. He had this to say
3: Al Qaeda and ISIL and groups like it are desperate for legitimacy, they try to portray themselves as religious leaders, holy warriors in defense of Islam. That's why ISIL presumes to declare itself the Islamic State. And they propagate the notion that America, and the West generally, is at war with Islam. That's how they recruit. That's how they try to radicalize young people. We must never accept the premise that they put forward, because it is a lie nor should we grant these terrorists the religious legitimacy that they seek. They are not religious leaders, they're terrorists.
1: Of course, clapping, it's like a Bill Maher audience. Yay, that's such great stuff you are saying, man. Oh, say some more, say some
3: more. And we are not at war with Islam. We are oh, at war with people who have perverted Islam.
4: Thank you for saying such great Everybody things. Everybody has to
3: speak up very clearly that no matter what the grievance, violence against innocence doesn't defend Islam or Muslims, it damages Islam and Muslims. (laughs) But this isn't our challenge alone, it's a challenge for the world. ISIL is terrorizing the people of Syria and Iraq, beheads and burns human beings on unfathomable acts of cruelty. We've seen deadly attacks in Ottawa and Sydney and Paris and now Copenhagen.
2: So the one thing that sticks out to me is when he says we shouldn't grant them the blanket or something of religious legitimacy. Uh, no.
1: Well, no religion should get religious legitimacy.
2: Well, your actions aren't going to be legitimate just because they're performed under, under the guise of religion. That's right. So that phrase, you don't need to use that. You're fine.
1: Well, there according to me i'll just speak for myself here there is no legitimacy within religion whatsoever none you don't get a pass
2: so is what you said just taking what i said a step further
1: yeah just being a little more dickish about it. all right cool (laughs) (laughs) how's that junior meant
2: it is real good and hopefully won't affect my reading abilities in a second
1: yeah because you're getting ready to do a job Mm -hmm. and oh I'll just be quiet. We'll let we'll let the, the audience hear the slurping of the junior mint. <laughs> uh, uh, what was that? You know, I can amplify whatever sound.
2: <laughs> okay, my mouth is fresh now.
1: Okay, well at least your mouth is. So <laughs> moving on. So I don't
2: know what that's supposed to mean. I don't know
1: either. <laughs> so so this is an odd thing that the Obama administration. And many within it are, are choosing to not use the words Islamic extremist, Islamic terrorists. When clearly, clearly, the members of ISIL, they are Islamists. They are Muslims that you can't say. Oh, they're not Muslims. Yeah, Dick, they're Muslims. And it's a problem. And it's also a problem with moderate Islam right now, moderate Muslims. It's almost as though there's a civil war taking place between normal Islam and radical Islam, but the only people who know it is the radical side of things. That's a problem. We are facing down the greatest threat our civilization has seen in a thousand years, and no one's doing anything about it. No one's even using the right words about it. we're We're dancing around it. we're We're tiptoeing around at every turn. But this isn't even a problem with just Islam and with just the war on terror. This is the problem in colleges nationwide. Recently, at Smith College, they had a an ap- academic discussion of free speech. And the, 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 the college newspaper, when reporting on this thing, they did something that, that is just... Uh, It's hard to talk about. It's so ridiculous.
2: So they produced a transcript of what occurred during the panel on free speech. And the panel was aimed at challenging the ideological echo chamber. And this transcript that was produced by the Smith College campus newspaper had these trigger warnings. Okay. These are the trigger warnings that appeared on the transcript.
0: Uh...
2: Racism slash racial racial slurs ableist slurs anti-semitic language anti-muslim slash islamophobic language anti-immigrant language sexist slash misogynistic slurs references to race-based violence references to anti-semitic violence okay those were all uh, the trigger warnings that were listed on the transcript
1: well first of all this whole trigger warning thing is a new phenomenon
2: so trigger warnings, for those who don't know, are words that appear before books, articles. People sometimes want them on videos, or th- there's a move to put them on movies well, even.
1: L- let's give it for instance. So let's say I write a, a story about a woman who is brutally raped. And in the thing, we talk about rape and we talk about what took place. There would be some disclaimer at the front of the article that trigger warning, hey, listen we're going to talk about these things and it might trigger in you memories of 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 a, of a traumatic experience for you so which i don't know that's even necessary listen if you if you're that if if you are that delicate in, in, of an individual with your sensibilities or even with what has happened in your life that you can't go through normal society living without having to have tr- oh trigger warning we're going to have this this color, when you enter this building, equals this. That you might. Oh my God! You might have. You might hear the word rape. Well, you need intensive psychotherapy. You need. You need some sort of, of help that that is beyond, just a warning of a trigger warning because that's that's ridiculous.
2: So during this panel, Smith President Kathleen McCartney had joked, "quote We're just wild and crazy, aren't we?" And in the transcript. The word crazy was replaced by the notation, quote, ableist slur. And when I say it was replaced by, I literally mean that they took the word crazy out of the transcript and instead replaced it with ableist slur. Right. So it's when in, you, it's in
1: brackets, right?
2: Right. So when you try to go read this transcript to learn about what was said at this panel, you won't be able to know what was said because right. it was censored.
1: So at the discussion of freedom of speech, their their freedom of speech was abridged by the fact that it was it was censored. The words they spoke
2: was censored. Um, One of the panelists mentioned that the State Department had for a time banned the words jihad, Islamist and caliphate, which the transcript flagged as, quote, anti-Muslim slash Islamophobic language.
1: So they're t- <laughs> they're talking about how the State Department for a certain period of time had banned the words and then they used the words to tell which words had been banned and they wouldn't even put those words in the transcript. This is a problem. This is a problem of I think mainly in academia, but the problem is that it, it is bleeding over into our government into our our leaders the fact that obama won't use the words and universities like brandis who are denying access to um ion Ali, the 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 woman who is who is under attack under threat of violence from radical islam she is a an apostate she's a former muslim um that's very very problematic that people are getting sucked into this weird this weird way of thinking
2: so Additionally, um, this person on the panel described the case of a Brandis professor who was disciplined for saying, quote, wetback while explaining its use as a pejorative. They were explaining how it was a pejorative word and they used the word. And this word was replaced in the transcript by anti-Latina, anti-immigrant slur. So people complained and said that This woman on the panel was a racist.
1: Just for having uttered the word in describing the word that she was talking about.
2: And that she had committed an explicit act of racial violence. And Uh. that some students and faculty were hurt and made to feel, quote, unsafe. Now, this article goes on to talk about situations like, you know... How it's not just rape that women fear on campus, it's discussions of rape and how at Brown University, a scheduled debate between two feminists about rape culture was criticized for, as the Brown Daily Herald put it, undermining the university's mission to create a safe and supportive environment for survivors. And the Daily Herald reported that students who feared being, quote, attacked by the viewpoints offered at the debate at the debate could instead, quote, find a safe space among, quote, sexual assault peer educators, women peer counselors and staff during the same time slot. So they were going to be attacked by viewpoints. That's seriously what this says. It's
1: it's completely ridiculous.
2: And so this is just confusing to me. This idea of creating a safe space where you can't talk about anything. Right. Right. So Jerry Coyne, who writes the popular blog WhyEvolutionIsTrue.wordpress.com, kind of didn't speak directly about this issue, but is talked about free speech in general, and he said that this kind of attitude is about censorship. Certain ideas will not be discussed. Certain issues will not be entertained. All feelings will be coddled and nobody will be offended. Colleges are supposed to be unsafe spaces. Unsafe in the sense that you can expect your ideas to be challenged, your feelings to sometimes be bruised, and rather than having your ideas, opinions, and feelings coddled, you'll be expected to defend them. I feel revulsion at the idea of a safe space, for it's the antithesis of academic freedom and a discussion stopper. And I feel like that just sums everything up so perfectly. So perfectly. About what the problem is with this kind of stuff.
1: It's bizarre to me. Because really, I mean, there's no better way to say it than what he just said. The university setting should be, we're going to make you feel uncomfortable, but that's okay. Feeling uncomfortable is, well, one, it's part of being alive part of talking about tough conversations part of moving the conversation forward is talking about the tough stuff and he, it's beautiful. God damn, that's a it's a great thing that he said,
2: right? And he goes on to say, if my room or office were a safe space in which nobody could bring up potentially upsetting matters, I would never even have the opportunity to change my mind or temper my views, right? So if these people are concerned with how certain viewpoints are inappropriate, well, then the best way to counter inappropriate views is to have a discussion about them, because guess right. what? You have the possibility of persuading that person to think differently. You have the possibility of people who agree with that person in the audience to be persuaded to think differently this is how this is supposed to go well it's just
1: weird that the 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 words that they encoded with their little bracket system in that in the transcript were oh ableist slur uh, anti-immigrant slur so the word i think they used was illegal alien which is a legal term it's a legal term for someone who entered the country e- illegally. There's no, it's not a slur. In the legal system of the United States, the, the Obama administration, the Justice Department, when they bring a case against whatever related to illegal immigration, they don't use the word immigrate. They use the word illegal alien. This ableist thing, I don't get that. I know, I know people who have lost limbs in battle. They know they don't have a leg. They know it's gone. They know more than anyone else they don't have a leg.
2: Well, they even the woman made a joke. We're all crazy, aren't we? And they they censored the word crazy and put able right. a slur. So, so
1: you can't even use colloquial language. She doesn't mean we are clinically insane. Oh my god.
2: Well, even the word crazy doesn't describe someone who is mentally ill. I I don't know. I just don't feel like crazy is even an appropriate descriptive word to describe someone who's mentally ill. It's
1: colloquial. That's right. You wouldn't use it. It's, oh, I'm being wacky. I'm being crazy. Crazy guy. Yeah. So there's this hyper crazy sensitivity. It is wild sensitivity that needs to stop because it's one. It's not something we're talking about. That's not that. uh, It's not that big a deal. It's a big deal. It's happening a lot across many, many, many college campuses across this country. So sound off about that, what do you think? 657-464-7609, that is our number. You can also just straight up email it at com, or you can record yourself leaving a voicemail and email it to it at com. Here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna take a break right now and we're going to come back after having watched the oscars yeah britney's super excited yes we know this is not a movie review podcast or a movie podcast however we're movie people just like you should be we love that art form we do
2: just like you should be
1: they should be yes everyone Mm -hmm. should be so what we're going to do we're going to take a break right now and we'll be back with the oscar With both our, what were our Oscar predictions, but then what were the final results of this year's Academy Awards? And just like that, like a time machine, <laughs> we are back. We just got done watching. Good goddamn thing we did it that way, because had we watched just the recording, we would have missed out, because our DVR, the programmed time that the show was supposed to be on, it stopped before they started with our, our main shows, Yes, our main picks. I mean, the very first pick of the show was was um, actor, best actor in a supporting role. The very first pick of the show, which, if you remember, was it not?
2: Yeah, I just I don't I'm not following. I thought it was actress in a supporting role since that's at the bottom. No, well, remember the, paper. The,
1: the very first award was J.K. Simmons. Oh yes, remember mm-hmm. that's what I'm saying. So, oh, okay, but the very the the last the last three or four or whatever the number is. We're at the very end of the show, which would have been cut off if if not for us watching it ended up watching it live. Yes. So, like I said, JK Simmons, well, that was my pick. That's our picks that we made. We weren't predicting who would win. We were just saying who we thought should win. And right. J.K. Simmons, who we both picked to win. Yes. He won.
2: Yes, and gave a speech that I didn't uh, particularly like so much because I don't like when people forcefully tell you to call your parents because what if your parents are bad people, all right? That's That's something to take into consideration, okay there, guy?
1: Well, I don't feel any guilt about it. It's just he comes from a normal upbringing, I'm sure, and he feels compelled to do so. Great. All right. Way to go, J.K but also but we love him yeah awesome did a great job especially
2: so, in Oz I'm just kidding I don't especially love him in Oz he was just good in Oz but,
1: but let me talk about let me talk about this before we move on for those of you who did watch the Oscars telecast I don't like Doogie Hauser. I don't like Neil Patrick Harris yeah it was a very lackluster performance
2: mm-hmm.
1: and I just generally I think he's a dick
2: yeah I don't
1: like that guy
2: I'm not a huge fan either.
1: So, I wasn't a fan of the of the entire production i thought it was pretty terrible it was pretty boring especially
2: compared like last year i think ellen hosted and it was funny i remember the pizza she did the
1: selfie yeah there
2: were like funny things that were going on the entire time and plus i love ellen i guess i I was trying not to let my dislike for neil patrick harris to interfere with my enjoyment of the show he did say some funny jokes i think but two
1: two two funny jokes
2: but but i'm sure those were written by someone else
1: right right So takeaways from the Oscars, Um, Lady Gaga is goddamn awesome. She has an awesome, awesome voice. She's a remarkable talent, and I'm glad that she's showing the side of herself, that she's not just pop music crap. She is uh, awesome. She has a great voice.
2: Yeah, I don't know anything about notes or <laughs> tones or being on key, but I do know that when she started singing, my entire leg was covered in goosebumps. Yeah. The entire thing. Pretty
1: goddamn good. I think she must be, uh, have perfect pitch or something, because she is remarkable.
2: Yeah, I don't know what that means, but I'm sure she does. <laughs> mm-hmm. Perfect pitch.
1: And then, uh, also the, the, the Oscar win for John Legend and Common, or John
2: Stevens John
1: Stevens and Lonnie Lynn Lonnie Lynn mm-hmm. <laughs> which they never gave their aliases they they accepted the award as John Stevens and Lonnie Lynn
2: mm-hmm.
1: kind of weird but whatever
2: It was interesting to learn their real names I think
1: Yeah also just their performance was great that I didn't see Selma but we, that, we
2: want to. I don't know why we haven't. I mean, you kind of said it like you were being hateful toward it. No,
1: not at all. I just, we haven't seen it. Right. I love the story. Uh, I know, you know, a lot about that era, and I think that um, it'll be great. But that song, is just, it. you know, it was moving with the choir, and, you know, I I dig on gospel music anyway, so I thought it was great. So, without further ado, do you want to talk about, one, I want to talk about Nate Silver and com, and they made their their odds-on picks based on their statistical analysis, and holy shit. Once again, whether it be politics and picking presidential winners or whether it be uh, the Oscars, the guy has his shit together.
2: Okay, so you want to go straight to 538 and skip our our predictions because f- nate silver was right about everything so it's not really fun to talk about <laughs> Oh, all right
1: well then we won't <laughs> because have to-
2: all of the categories we are going to talk about with the exception of best director they they guessed who would win and they were right about every single one so best director went to oh i'm sorry they were not right about everything
1: Hmm. hmm
2: they were wrong about best director
1: oh but that's it yes okay so they were right about every single thing except best director
2: well no because they said best actress best supporting actor supporting actress best actor and best picture so those other main ones, they got correct. So they, they didn't do everything. They didn't.
1: They didn't bet on Birdman for Best Director. Did they think Boyhood, Linklater would get it? Yes. Oh well, that's good. I'm glad that uh, Birdman did win that. That was awesome. But In it, it should have won.
2: It was very, very close. They had Boyhood at 2.02 02 and Birdman, the director of Birdman, at 1.72. So it was very, very close. Huh.
1: Okay. So do you want to announce the ladies, and I'll announce. I already announced Best Supporting Actor. So.
2: Okay, so best supporting actress or performance by an actress in a supporting role went to Patricia Arquette for Boyhood.
1: Right. I wanted Emma Stone to win.
2: And so did I. And it's unfortunate the clip that they showed of Patricia Arquette, you know, they they show the clip of the of the actress and actor. So you can you can. Almost, if you haven't seen the movie, compare them right there. You get a
1: flavor for how their acting was in the film.
2: Right. And I remember that clip in the movie watching it. And I remember it made me laugh because her acting was almost like how I fake cry.
1: That's exactly right. It was laughable. It was her performance in this movie. And this is no slide against her character. I'm sure she's a wonderful person. She just didn't act well. In fact, she acted terribly. It was the antithesis of acting well. It was laughable.
2: Where, where with Laura Dern, I haven't seen Wild, but that clip that they showed of her was very emotional. For oh, me. yeah. Yeah. Uh, Kira Knightley's performance was very emotional. She delivered one of the best lines in that movie. Um, Emma Stone, I thought that was an emotional performance. Right. So, you know, it just didn't elicit something from me. But anyway, she won.
1: And then, performance by an actor in a leading role. So, a lead actor Oscar. Um, Eddie Redmayne is who I wanted to win. I believe you did, too.
2: I couldn't oh, choose. Oh, that's right.
1: You you refused <laughs> to choose. I
2: refused to even choose who I wanted to win. Right. And
1: Eddie <laughs> Redmayne, from The Theory of Everything, did win. Yes. Which, how the how the hell could he not win? Right. He transformed himself into Stephen Hawking. So
2: Right. He ag- also seems like a great person.
1: And again, uh, Stephen Hawking, I mean... Um, Nate Silver, what the hell happened? Nate Silver, again, picked that one correctly. So, good fucking weirdo.
2: So, performance by an actress in a leading role. Um,
1: I picked Rosamond or Rosamond. They were pronouncing her name Rosamond Pike from Gone Girl. And when I, Brittany chastised me for that.
2: And I picked Reese Witherspoon and Julianne Moore won for Still Alice.
1: And you said that Nate Silver that they had her as an overwhelming runaway to win.
2: Right. She was at 2.48, while Rosamund Pike and Reese Witherspoon were tied with .48, and then Felicity Jones and Marion Cotillard were below them. Huh? So
1: It's awesome. I, seriously, I, I, I want to get on staff with that. I'm not smart enough to get on staff with that guy, but I'd love to know what's in the secret sauce, because goddamn. <laughs> and then, of course, best picture... The winner of Best Motion Picture of the Year, I wanted, and I believe Britney wanted Whiplash to win because it was a remarkable movie. And uh, Birdman won, which was not really a surprise.
2: Well, um, it was a surprise. I thought I was just rooting
1: against against Boyhood. Right, me too. So I'm not displeased with Birdman because it was it was a great movie, and it, it, it the story was great. Everything was great about it. The directing. Um, it was a beautiful film. I just, I really was rooting for, for Whiplash. So, that's it. The uh, the Oscars are over. Now we are looking forward to another crop of good films. This has been a good movie year.
2: A really good movie year. We, we
1: saw a lot of good movies this year. It's not always that way. We go usually months and months in this, these dry spells where there's nothing good to see. And it's been nice seeing multiple decent movies. Over the course of the year. I mean, last year was, you know, you go and see Nebraska and turds like that. (laughs) And this year was um, a a welcome surprise.
2: One thing I really liked is that, you know, Julianne Moore winning and she took the opportunity to talk about Alzheimer's disease Mm -hmm. and then um, Eddie Redmayne winning and drawing attention to ALS. Yeah, yeah. And I thought that that was really good, you know. um, Well,
1: it was a very... um politically charged very much Oscars. not right. not just because of selma being in there and john legend getting his shots in for voter id laws very sur- surreptitiously it wasn't very he didn't say voter id laws but he said voter suppression and right. used the keywords right right um and then the director for for birdman got up there and talked about um
2: hoping that immigrants will be accepted will be
1: treated this this wave of immigrants will be treated with as much respect as those who came before them and you know look on its face yeah that's a great thing to say but there are more intricate issues and there's more nuance to these arguments than just their particular political uh flavor um patricia arquette who by the way not only did she win the award for best actress she she got up there and then had to read a long speech off of a piece of paper because she's such a terrible actress that she couldn't even memorize the goddamn speech. Well,
2: she's probably under stress and can't remember what she's going to say. Just
1: like everyone who wins an award is under stress.
2: All right, I'm just trying to help her out.
1: And then after the speech, then she reads her whole thing about equality and, and women should be equal in our society. Look, if you're going to be talking about an equal rights speech and an equal rights position women have got it pretty goddamn good where it relates to some of the other groups in this country it's you're not the first in line you know blacks are still far more second class citizens in this country than women are do do you disagree or are you just looking as bored as you possibly can (laughs) to get me to shut up
2: well, I mean, I don't know. It's it's hard to say because, you know, when they talk about the the income inequality stuff, there's been studies that say that, you know, it's not really a thing because you're comparing men who have higher positions in unemployment that are CEOs and you're comparing you know, apples and oranges, I guess, is I don't know how else to describe it. Um, But then you have people who say, well, it's a real thing. So I I don't know. I mean, it's there's definitely something like during this whole Oscars thing, they did hashtag ask her more. And I think this is a good example of... You know how women are treated differently. You know they'll they'll talk to men about whatever, but when women get up there, they're like, "Oh, let's put your hand in the manny cam," and oh, we have a clutch cam, and oh, what dress are you wearing? And it's like, you know, I I did a movie about Alzheimer's disease. Do you want to talk to me about Alzheimer's disease? I mean, it, yeah,
1: I, I get that, but it's it's this is the tone that they've created they live within this mechanism that they've created they throw these extravagant parties for themselves while they award and glad hand one another patting each other vigorously on the back about what great work they did they throw the party they set the tone they set the dress code you know the reason that women get asked in my opinion the reason that that women get asked about their dresses is because all the men are in one fucking thing. They're in a stupid penguin suit. They all look the same. There might be minor differences, but they all have the same thing on. Women, there's variety. You know what I mean?
2: It's Well, no, because then why is that still the only thing that you can talk about? And there are, I understand what you're saying, that they're creating the problem themselves by maybe participating in it, but that is starting to change. For instance, Reese Witherspoon has been vocal about this and was using the hashtag ask her more. And so when she was on the red carpet, she instead was asked questions about Cheryl Strayed, who the movie Wild was based on her book and kind of the tumultuous experience that that woman had in her life. Well, the good. And you know, then I've seen videos of Julianne Moore and Jennifer Aniston saying, "No, I'm not going to put my hand in a mannequin." Good. And so now they don't have a manicam anymore.
1: Well, that's all it takes then.
2: Right. So So they
1: have to change it from within. As long as they're answering the questions, showing up in their extravagant, you know, $10,000 dresses then those questions are going to be asked, oh, who are you wearing? What ridiculous piece of clothing are you wearing that is more than a lot of people's automobiles?
2: Well, and additionally, in the workplace, women do still experience things that men don't have to. I just recently had this experience. I had a job as a project manager. I was in a management position, and I was talked to about being a bitch, okay? I had to be talked to About being a bitch, that people were perceiving me as being bitchy. When if a man was behaving the way that I did, in fact, there was a man who very much carried himself like I did, and he was never talked to about how he interacted with employees. I am not
1: saying that women don't have it bad. I'm just saying they're not at the front of the line.
2: Okay, well, people say say that about gays too. when, When
1: you get pulled over, when you get pulled over, there is no threat of you being murdered by a person in power.
2: People say this about gays too. Well,
1: and they—they also—they—they would be—they would be right there at the front of the line with blacks, as far as I'm concerned, because their basic civil rights are being stripped away. Okay. I'm not. Listen, I'm not saying women don't have it bad.
2: Well, no, it's—it's it's a weird argument that you're making because it's what conservatives do when you bring up a gay rights issue. They say, "Oh, well, the economy is more important." Oh, okay, so we can't care about multiple things at one time.
1: Yeah, I guess I see that. I—that's I, a good point. It's just. When you have a megaphone like she had and millions and millions of people are watching, tens of millions of people, and you rattle off about equal rights for women.
2: Well, they had their opportunity to talk about civil rights as well. There was immigration. There was women's equality. There was ALS. There was Alzheimer's. There was civil rights. There was all the colors of the rainbow were represented. Yeah. All the issues under the sun were represented. I
1: guess. Meh. all right on that contentious note <laughs> we will leave you there thank you for tuning in this has been a wonderful second segment of the show and we we really appreciate you listening to britney and i bicker back and forth about the issues of our time
2: and write in and tell us how right i am <laughs> all right
1: 6574647609 that is the number to call leave us a less than 3 minute voicemail or you can record yourself on your smartphone and email it to idoubtit at dollamore.com. this has been our 100th episode as we said at the top of the show we love you and appreciate every single one of you and every single minute that you spend listening twice a week to our show um, look, we put a lot of effort in. We do a lot of research. We, uh, <laughs> we try to, to, to pepper in as much entertainment and funny as we can or that I'm capable of. And we really want to provoke some thought in every single one of you so you can go on throughout your week moving the conversation forward. That's it. Until next time, for Brittany Page, I am Jesse Dallamore who's always wrong about everything.
2: And a dick.
1: (laughs) And this has been I Doubt It. Oh, they're not Muslims. Yeah, dick, they're Muslims.